Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, once again, big hello to the Warren Church family here. Also, our church family at TCI and online. We're super excited to have you with us today. And uh, I have a New Year's message for you. It's a, it's a New Year's message. And there's something about new seasons that I think we're all more a little likely to change. I don't know why this is. There's something about new that just feels like a restart. And uh, how many of us have said, I'm going to start a diet, but I'm going to start it Monday, right? Like Saturday is just as good of a day, but for whatever reason, Monday is the day we choose. And then we realize, well, I have that staff party on Tuesday, so let's make it Wednesday. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we've lived our lives 39 years one way. And then when we turn 40, for some reason, our 40th birthday, we're like, okay, I got to make a change. It's a new season. There's something about the way we live. It's just like new matters. And so as we start 2023, I want to give you just a little building block for the rest of your year. In fact, I entitled today's message, The One Thing You Should Do in 2023. And it kind of sounds like clickbait, but it's only clickbait if it's not true. And so I want to uh, give you this message today, The One Thing You Should Do in 2023. And it's actually a pretty simple message, but just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. In fact, simplicity, I believe, is the best pathway to sustainability, to consistency. But sometimes it's really hard to stay focused on the simple things. And so my hope today is that as you're in this new season where you're in January and you're motivated and motivation abounds to go to the gym, to do all of these different things, I'm praying that you would harness that motivation that will not always be present into building some habits into your life that will, that will sustain you, that will help you grow. And so today we're going to dive into this, the one thing you should do in 2023. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm chapter 127. And here's verse one. It says, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. There's something so profound about this idea that in life, there are two types of workers. There are two types of builders. There is the anxious worker and the restful worker. There is the anxious builder and the restful builder. The anxious person is the person who believes that all of their success, that all of the timelines, that all of the working out of the details, it rests on their shoulders. And so they will be the ones that will work as hard as they possibly can to prove their identity because their identity belongs to them. They are responsible for generating who they are, what they do, the outcomes of their life. And so that's why, even if they're successful, it's never enough. Why? Because they cannot rest when it depends on them. And when they fail, they feel incredible shame and condemnation because they realize that they are the problem. They have built a city, but it has crumbled because they did it in anxiety. And yet there is this other promise that the Bible gives us that there is another type of worker. There's another type of builder. And in a sense, I know it sounds like an oxymoron, but this person is a restful worker. In other words, they don't work any less hard, but they work with a rest in the deepest parts of their soul. 
Because at the very core of who they are, they ultimately believe and trust that their life does not belong to them. That their life is being built by somebody else. Today, I wanna just pose this question to you. I wanna just ask you, there are two types of builders. There are restful builders and anxious builders. Which kind are you? There are restful workers and anxious workers. Which one are you? Is there an internal angst that no amount of success has been able to cover up? And no amount of failure has been able to get you past. I want to look at a teaching from Jesus. It's one of the final teachings that Jesus gave us before he ascended to be with the Father. It was in a very intimate setting with his followers. Comes out of John chapter 15, verse five. Here's what it says. It says, yes, I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. What is the one thing we should do in 2023? I would actually make the case, the one thing that you should do in 2023 is to above all, abide. Jesus said, those who remain in me, those who abide in me will produce. They will be productive. And I know many of you, when you hear abide, you think of a certain movie and a certain dude. And I just wanna tell you that Jesus said it first. So he gets dibs on this whole phrase, abide, okay? Above all, abide. Many of us, we relegate connecting with God or connecting with Jesus as kind of a secondary portion of our life. It gets our leftovers. It gets kind of the, when I have time, I'll I'll make it work aspects of our life. And yet Jesus is saying that it is this very connection inside of you that will produce something through you. I grew up about a mile from an orange orchard and passed by it probably thousands of times in my life, whether walking or driving. And can I tell you one thing I never heard when I passed by that orange orchard? Grow, grow, grow. <laughs> Never once did I, did I hear a branch go, come on, oranges, oranges. <laughs> Why? Because the branches and trees that grow oranges are connected to the tree, to the soil. They do it naturally when they're connected to the right things. Vice versa, no matter how hard it tries, if a branch is laying on the ground disconnected from the tree, it will never grow an orange again. Why? Because it's disconnected. And so many of us, I think, have gone about it backwards. We have said, God, 
I will give you something, but please, I'm gonna build my life. I'm gonna build my city. I'm gonna build my household. I'm gonna build my family. I'm gonna build my future. I'm gonna build my identity. And I'm gonna give you a little bit of a say, but truthfully, it's gonna be me. That's why we're so anxious. And maybe you don't have anxiety and panic attacks, but maybe you do have that angst on the inner being. Why? Because it's all up to you. But God gives rest to those he loves. You know, in the very beginning of scripture, since we're on the very first day, in the very first chapter of scripture, we see that God actually breathed life into humanity. That it was the very breath of God or the ruach. I think you're supposed to say it that way because it's a Hebrew word, ruach. The very breath of God was the very thing that sustained life. So I want you to do me a favor. Would you just take a deep breath? I just want you to know that was a gift from God. I just want you to know that that was something that God sustained. And if he didn't want it to happen, it wouldn't have happened. That if God didn't want you to take another breath, you wouldn't. That his very breath is the very life we have. And so in a very literal sense, God, he uses our physiology and he uses all the things that you can mechanically and materially prove, but ultimately he is the source. And yet here's what's so crazy. Across the Old Testament, you saw these prophetic echoes of this time coming when God would give his spirit not just in a physical sense where he gives us life, but God would give his spirit to dwell inside of people. And it was something that maybe every once in a while you would see in the Old Testament, but there was this prophetic echo that someday I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, upon your sons and your daughters, that it's male, it's female, it's upon your servants and your masters. It's upon the people who were well-off economically and those who had nothing. It was upon all races and all ethnicities that God was going to give his spirit to those who asked. And this is why I find it so interesting because so many of us were just like, go, 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 go. And it's interesting, before Jesus told his disciples to go into all the world, he told them to wait. Sometimes it's more important for you to wait than it is for you to go. Because Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world. In fact, last month I preached a message, how we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go into all the world, preach the gospel. But before he told him to go, he said, but before you go, wait. Why? Because in Jerusalem, you're gonna be filled with the spirit of God. The breath of God is gonna energize you, is going to empower you in ways that you could never be empowered on your own. We see this in the apostles' ministry that they did things that aren't possible because the spirit of God was within them producing something. Even Jesus, think about Jesus' life. Jesus, who is God, made flesh. He gets baptized and the spirit of God descends upon him. And instead of going out and starting his ministry, which by the way, can I just say this? Jesus started his ministry at age 30. He was done by 33, if you know what I mean. And then what we know about Jesus' life from ages one to 30 is about this much. And I just think some of us are so consumed with timelines, not realizing that Jesus spent over 90% of his life in development. Now that's God. 90% of his life was in the darkness of development. He wasn't in his active ministry. And some of you are so 
trying to contrive your timeline and you feel like you're so behind. And I just want you to know, what if it took 90 years to get you ready for the 10 most effective ones? What would happen if we started to look at our lives and say, no, God is the one who is authoring my story. Anyways, Jesus gets baptized. And instead of going into all the world, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days of fasting and prayer. 40 days of dying to himself and allowing the spirit of God to sustain him. And yes, we know at the end of those 40 days, Satan came and tempted him and he overcame sin in a way that you and I now have the pathway to do through him. But I just want to say this, that our pathway to production is remaining. Above all, abide. Above all, abide. And I have to say, even as someone who, who devotes my life to God, I love God with everything. There have been so many seasons of my life where I have tried to white knuckle my Christianity. I've tried to white knuckle my production. I'm saying, God, don't you want me to be more effective? Don't you want me to be more successful? And God's like, actually, I'm good. I just want to kind of change who you are. Because if I can make you look more like me, then you'll do better things. Would you rather have Jesus doing something or you? Honest question. Me? I'm going to choose Jesus. I don't know how good of a baseball player he was. I'm sure he could have figured it out if he wanted. But what is the purpose of what God's doing in you right now? God is actually conforming you into the image of Christ Jesus little by little by little. So that means 10 years from now, you might look a whole lot more like Jesus than you do today. And therefore a whole lot more capable of doing the very things that are on your heart. Above all, abide. So then the question really becomes, I think, how do we abide? How do we remain in him? I believe Jesus answers this mostly in John 15. I mean, it's an incredible passage. I hope you can read it maybe this week even. But I want to start with Hebrews chapter 11. Here's what it says in verse 6. It says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. The first part of abiding in Christ, it starts with the faith that if I seek God, he will reward me. Now, a lot of times we think the reward is, oh, if I see God, new car. God can provide you a car. I'm not saying he can't. He probably will. But actually the reward is, I see God, what's the reward? find him. Some of you need to know that God, if you are willing to seek him, you will, he will be found by you. That he's not so distant that he doesn't want to hear from you. He's not so distant that you can't connect. And maybe you're like, I'm not Pastor Joe. I could never connect with God. And that's the whole point of the New Testament is that you don't need to be Pastor Joe to connect with God. That through Christ, you have the pathway to the presence of God. It's impossible to please God without faith because faith is how we seek him. The second thing we do in remaining is found in John chapter 15, verse three. He says, you have already been pruned and are purified by the message I have given you. There's something about remaining in God's word in the scriptures that does something to us that changes us and shapes us and prunes us 
You know what pruning is? Pruning is getting rid of the things that are sucking energy out of your life that are not leading to more growth. And Jesus actually says the reward for growth and production and fruit is pruning. Congratulations. You had a great 2022 where God was using you in all powerful ways. Guess what? You get pruned. But you know why? Because it is through pruning that we can be more fruitful. And here's what's so amazing. You don't have to be pruned by terrible, painful life experiences. You can be. But he says that you can actually be pruned by the word of God. You can allow his word to abide so richly in you that it changes you. I was thinking about this I, few, probably a few months ago. I, I just found, have you ever been in those seasons where you're just like, I don't even like me right now. Like, I don't even like how I'm acting. I, I was with my family. I was just super irritable, uh, just kind of impatient, you know, just setting up arbitrary, uh, I don't know, guidelines, deadlines, all kinds of things. And just not, not very pleasant to be with. I didn't even enjoy it, you know? And I remember I was just driving, leaving the house after just being irritable. And I just remember saying, God, is there anything you want me to do? Is there, is there anything inside of me that needs to change? And I felt like God actually spoke to my heart two words, unconditional love. And I was like, well, that doesn't help anything. <laughs> you ever have God just give you such an obvious answer? It's like, okay, God, I get it. What's the next part of it, you know? But then I was like, okay, well, God, if this is God, it's, he's probably right about it. So I started to read 1 Corinthians 13 and I started to read verse four through eight, which says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices when the truth wins out. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things and endures all things. And I started to look in the mirror and I said, you're not those things. And so I started to realize I need to allow the word of God to rest, to abide in me. And so every night when I started brushing my teeth, before I would walk into my bedroom, I'd just start memorizing that scripture. And then as I was walking in, I'd just start saying it. And I do that every night. And you know what is so amazing is that God's word, it pruned me. I, I would find that the next day when I was going into that moment, with my three-nager and I was going into that moment where things were not going as I had expected, I, I started to realize that there was this check on the inside of me now that said, yeah, but love is patient. How did Christ love you? He was patient and kind. He wasn't arrogant or rude or irritable or resentful. He didn't insist on his own way. And it began to shape who I was. Christ prunes us through his word. Look what it goes on to say. When you remain in me and my words remain in you, John 15, 7, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my father. So another thing that happens is when you begin to abound and abide in Christ through scripture and through prayer, God actually changes your desires so much that you actually want what God wants. And isn't that a crazy thought that he said, you could ask anything you want and I'll give it to you because it brings glory to my father. And you're like, okay. Uh, where's the Maserati, you know, where's that beach house I was thinking about? But you know what's crazy is when you abide in Christ, your desires start to look more like Christ's desires. And 1 John 5 says that we can have confidence that when we pray, if we pray according to God's will, we can have a confidence that we know we have what we ask for. 
So how do we have confidence in our prayers? How do we actually see prayers that produce fruit? It's actually by abiding in Christ. In his word, we allow it to remain in us because it changes our desires. What we want becomes what he wants and what he wants becomes what we want. And so then he's like, yeah, ask for whatever you want. And you're like, okay, well, I want what you want. This is what it means. And, and so Christ just all throughout this teaching, he tells us, look, you're gonna be abiding me in my words. You're gonna be abiding in my teaching, but there's gonna be this prayer life that is active in your life. And, and there's this final thing he says in this John 15. He says, John 15, verse 10. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so you'll be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And many of us, we think, oh, remaining in God, remaining in his love is just like about singing songs and just kind of swaying like this. This is the church sway. We've all seen it. I did it earlier, okay? But there are some very practical things about what it means to remain in Christ and remain in his love. And one of them is obedience. Doing what he says to do. And by the way, before you go, oh, legalism, we can't make people do stuff. This is exactly how Jesus remained in the Father's love. And they had a pretty good relationship. It was very emotionally connected, but there was tangible exercise of obedience that allowed them to remain in love. And by the way, Jesus said, I, I, I'm actually telling you this stuff so that you can experience the joy that I have. He says, I want my joy to be in you. So how will my joy be in you? When you obey Christ, when you obey his commands, you'll experience the love of God, God which will bring joy to your life. Why? Because someone can be a restful worker. They can be a restful builder. Why? They have the love of God abiding in them. And I just want to tell you this. I've noticed this in my life, that I can be planning and contriving and figuring things out, which I think are all great. I'm not saying to stop any of that, but I am saying this. I've noticed that one God idea can bring about so much more traction than 30 of our own. And so many of us are chasing different things, but maybe we just need to be beginning to focus our hearts and minds on Christ Jesus. And so as we think about this, I want to encourage you into something we're going to be launching into in the next 21 days, well, starting this Wednesday, which is our 21-day time of prayer and fasting. And just so you know, this doesn't mean that our whole church is not going to be eating. There might be a few people that decide to, to fast food, uh, not that kind of fast food. There are going to be people who decide to give up food. But there are many, many valuable things to fast. And here's really the heart behind it, is that in our lives, we constantly need reminded that truly we need God more than we need food. Truly we need God more than we need, okay, trust me on this one, Fox or CNN. Truly, we actually need God's insight and perspective more than we need them or your favorite podcaster or Instagram, you know, expert. I'm not saying stop following those people. I'm just saying you actually need God more than you need those things. And sometimes God knows that. I mean, that's not news to him. We need reminded. 
And this fast is a great time to give up media. It's a great time to give up social media. It's a great time to give up something, sweets, treats, meats. It's a great time to give up something to give us opportunity to focus and remain in Christ, to abide in Christ. Because remember, he's the one that builds the house. He's the one that guards the city. And so I want to invite you into this. You're going to get a little handout on your way out today, just kind of explaining what it looks like, what it could look like. But that's going to start this Wednesday. So we really want to encourage you to create this space so that you can abide in Christ Jesus. I want to conclude today just with this final thought. And it's simply, what would happen if we allowed the breath of God, the spirit of God to be the thing that energized us to be productive? And you see in the Old Testament, you see Joseph who it says the spirit of God was on him in such a powerful way that he went from a prison to a palace overnight because Pharaoh saw the unique gifting on him. And ultimately, even Pharaoh recognized that's not any human thing, that's God. We see uh, Bazalel in, in the Old Testament who was a craftsman, but that the spirit of God came upon him as a craftsman in such a powerful way that it was very evidently God. What would it look like for us to do this. I ultimately believe that this, I, I think I can't say it better than Jesus. Let's just go to what Jesus said. In John chapter 15, verse 16, he says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. You didn't choose me, I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce what kind of fruit? Lasting. So that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. God wants you to produce the kind of fruit that will last. Since we're talking about remaining in Christ, Christ wants you to remain in him so that you'll produce fruit that remains long beyond your life even, maybe even eternal. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter three. He says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, you can be a Christian who has your eternity secured, and yet you can still build your life on things that will burn up when everything is revealed. When you take account of your life, you can look and say, I built with straw, I built with hay. My encouragement is to not do those things, to build with gold and silver. How do we do that? Above all, why? Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place in such a way. In fact, I just actually ask that you would, the breath of God would energize this church. That we would rest as we work. Because we recognize that unless the Lord is building the house, the builders build in vain. Unless the Lord is guarding a city, centuries guarded that the Lord gives rest to those he loves so maybe what you need to do right now is just breathe 
in that moment, make that breath an act of faith that says, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to seek you. I'm going to remain. I also want to invite you, if you have never been given the Spirit of God, if you've never made a decision to abide in Jesus, place your trust in him, to make him the king of your life, to make him the Lord of your life. Jesus offers you true life, but he says it costs you your life. If you're willing to give me your life, I'll show you what it means to truly live. Today, we just want to invite you into Jesus, to his family, to his kingdom. So yes, it does take repentance. It does take saying, God, I've been doing things my own way. I've been building my own house. I've been guarding my own city, but I am choosing to trust you. What I love is that there's a promise that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not just saved from something, not just saved from judgment, which it is, but also saved for something. That God created you with a purpose that you can never fully engage with until you are engaged with him. So today we want to give you this invitation. We're going to just pray a very simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith to God. It says, God, I turn my heart to you and I make you the king of my life. Church, would you help me pray? Even if you're watching online with us, would you help me pray so that no one prays alone? Say, Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner need a savior. Right now, I repent. I turn to you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me clean. Jesus, I believe you're God. You died for my sins. You rose to life again so I could have life with you. You're the king of my life, the Lord of my life. You have my trust, you have my yes. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.